How are you doing? This is Will Manis. I'm Bryce Kuhn. Matthew Lang sitting back there decked out in the Georgia gear. I'm sorry, the Atlanta Braves gear. We're going to talk about Georgia. The Atlanta Braves, though, they also did pretty well. This is the Crowded Booth, episode 35. Uh, we're going to wrap up what it was a wild weekend in college football. Kind of take a look at that. Um, take a look at some of the upsets that maybe people didn't pay attention to because of that primetime 8 o'clock matchup. One of them we got is the UCF-Pittsburgh game. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Georgia beat writer Brandon Sudge is going to join the show to talk a little bit about that atmosphere. And we were talking with Matthew right before the show, and just he was showing some videos, just completely unreal atmosphere that you had never yeah. seen before. But if you're watching Facebook Live, we want to say thank you. If you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud, thank you as well. And if you're watching the recap over on our YouTube page as well, we want to thank you for that as well. You can subscribe, like, tell Will how bad he is, how terrible his shirt looks. It'd be great. Hey, got to represent. We got a big win this weekend too. They did. Auburn, Auburn got a big weekend. The Road Warriors. We'll take into that as well, but uh, yeah, make sure to tune in. We're actually going to be doing some new stuff as well. We have some new sponsors we're going to be throwing in there. We have, um, we also have another show. We're going to bring double the show per week. We have a special guest coming on Thursday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, he played football, so it, he, he, he was a part of a big upset. We'll get to talk to him on Thursday morning as well, but it'll be every Monday morning, every Thursday morning as well. But, Will, let's get right into this. Um, college football, obviously, in full swing now as we get you know closer to October. I can hardly believe that it's you know middle of September, late yeah. September. But as you go into late September, you start to get out of the non-conference cupcake play, except for Alabama. Yep. Alabama continues to play absolutely <laughs> nobody. Uh, 12 o'clock noon start, 11 a.m. over there. Right. They just throttle Southern Miss. Mm -hmm. the big, one, one of the three big matchups we're going to go over, and we'll mention a fourth one. I talked to you on the phone about it last yeah. night. UCF. You know, they, 2017 national champions, I think, well, they, or 2018 well, national champions they claim so to be. So they say, yeah. So they say. The number 15 UCF falls to Pittsburgh. And what really what was a great game. It was an yeah. earlier game. Uh, I know everyone was probably having fun tailgating, whether it was in Athens or uh, in College Station for the yeah. Auburn. And especially in this part of the country, you know, UCF is, uh, there's been some, some media heads and some figureheads who have said, you right. know, UCF might be the second best team in the SEC East. Right. Which, I mean, that's a really, I, I, I would really give them that. But UCF falls uh, to Pittsburgh, 35-34. And that was a game where Pittsburgh took a quick 21 to nothing lead. But, well, I was more impressed with how Pittsburgh held on uh, because you knew a team as talented as UCF was going to battle back. Yeah, um, Pitt, Pitt really showed a lot. You know, they looked good last week against Penn State, a game I thought they would be able to pull out, but they couldn't do it in the end. Um, so they obviously came out with a chip on their shoulder, jumping out to a 21 to nothing lead. Um, but yeah, like you said, UCF, good team. They fight. That this is what they've been fighting for, what three, four years to be a big boy, and they had a battle back against, you know, a team in the group of the big boys. We'll say in Pitt, they maybe not be a big boy yet, but yeah, I mean it was a back and forth game after the twenty-one nothing lead, and uh, for Pitt. It's a very entertaining game. One of the more entertaining games of the day. Yeah, this is a team UCF who's obviously without Mackenzie Milton, their star quarterback, after the gruesome leg injury last year. So, you know, they bring in transfer Brandon Wimbush, who not really known for his ability to throw the football. Yeah. Uh, he can do more with his legs. That really wasn't working out, so they bring in Dylan Gabriel, who really didn't have a bad game when you look at the stat line. He had 338 yards, two touchdowns, but then the one caveat there is the two interceptions, right. the turnovers Pitt was able to force really uh, helped them in that win yeah. and kind of kept UCF from uh, kind of getting that win. 
the, obviously the play of the game, which they call it, they they called it the pit special. Right. Everyone seems to do it in college football now. Uh, the Philly special right. that obviously the Eagles won the Super Bowl with a couple years back. Uh, Pittsburgh quarterback Kenny Pickett is able to catch a three-yard touchdown pass with under a minute left to go to yeah. win the game, kind and of ice a, the game. That's a gutsy call too, because during the week there was a lot of talk of Pat Narduzzi, Pitt's head coach, being too conservative against Penn State, and he runs out, uses a trick play to beat UCF. So big for them, a big win for Pitt. Um, you know, because they got a tough schedule as well, playing in the ACC. Very, I mean, ACC is not up there with the SEC or the Big Ten, but it's still very competitive. They still, they could see uh, Clemson like they mm -hmm. did last year in the uh, ACC championship. So, you know, good win for them. Yeah, Pittsburgh able to pull that one out. And then you go on UCF side. Okay, now really, you know, we've had this conversation for the past two to three years, and I would say they've had it ever since the BCS was still in effect mm -hmm. with Boise State. Right. This non-traditional, non-Power 5 team. Mm -hmm. Well, who moves up as a potential contender with UCF getting that loss? And that's not to say that UCF couldn't probably right. still will run the table and yeah, go 11-1 the rest of the way. They still got a ton to play for. I mean, you, you look just in the American, you got Houston, you got Memphis they're going to have to beat, uh, just be conference champions. You, Mountain West is very good mm -hmm. with Boise State, like you said. So they still got a lot to play for if they want to still keep that number one group of five. And one team I'm excited about that uh, obviously everyone knows them for the 2007 upset of Michigan, Appalachian mm -hmm. State. They go into North yeah. Carolina, who really was kind of riding high after mm -hmm. the start to their season. Mac Brown comes back in to Chapel Hill after so many years and really yep. kind of he gets the win over South Carolina, gets a win over Miami. Appalachian State comes in there, very talented football team. Yeah, they had replaced team. their head coach, though, who went to Louisville. Right. They have a brand-new head coach in. They continue with their athletes and players kind of representing that Sun Belt. And um, I talked to Ben Moore, who's come on the show as well. He came on earlier and uh, earlier in the season and, and talked about the Sun Belt, really, especially in the East Division, has done very well against Power yeah. 5 opponents. You have yeah. the win over Kansas that Coastal Carolina was able to mm -hmm. get. You obviously have Georgia State's win over Tennessee. Add this one to the resume, Appalachian yeah. State. Troy has knocked off Nebraska and LSU in the past mm -hmm. couple of years. So the Sun Belt also one of those kind of conferences, I feel like, especially that can get overshadowed here yeah. in the Southeast with you know, the SEC pride that, that is there. Right. But yeah. you're going to have teams like that, Appalachian State, they might be able to move into a conversation, a team like Boise State. Um, Houston did obviously suffer the loss to Oklahoma in the right. opening weekend. Derek King's a talented quarterback, though. Yeah, yeah, and, and, you know, just to talk about that game a little bit and the impact it has, that's a top-10 team in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's not hurting Houston all that much. It's just kind of – it just shows – the gap, the talent gap from that is from the Power Five to the Group of Five. Memphis is a team also that has a lot of offense. I yeah. Mean, you know, obviously, a couple years ago they graduated Anthony Miller, who was a really good slot receiver for them, yeah. now playing for the Chicago Bears. Mm -hmm. I have a friend that goes up there, and he, that's an awesome environment. Memphis kind of yeah. also in the Southeast as well. Yeah, they knocked um, off Ole Miss. Knocked off Ole Miss year. first game of the year, and so yeah, I mean the SEC is probably a little more top heavy. Right. Than, than in recent years, but the these non-Power 5, we'll call them the, the group of five schools, yeah. group of six schools, however many you mm -hmm. want to throw in there, these other schools um, are starting to rise. It's, it's really yeah. cool to see them yeah. and the how they play. The talent gap is shrinking. It is. It is, and recruiting is helping with that mm -hmm. as well, especially in the Sun Belt, yep. as we've talked a bit more about. But the next game we're going to go into, the one that I know you were keyed in yep. on Saturday, Auburn versus Texas A&M, and yep. I'll set this up for you. We talked about I think it was two weeks ago or just it was um, off air and we talked about how this is a, a series between these two teams that the road team often wins. Now yeah. last year, Texas A&M pushed Auburn to the brink in a game the Aggies probably should have won. Yeah. Auburn comes out on top. But I'm just going to kind of throw these questions at you. One thing yeah. that I realize is um, 
Auburn's defense has always been very good. Yeah. The, but the defensive line dominated. Auburn jumped out to a huge lead. What do you credit that to? Is it the play calling, the personnel? Really, what makes Auburn's defense so great? I think it's kind of a combination of all of it. You know, we've obviously got, you know, maybe fringe top five, but definitely first round talent in Derek Brown at defensive tackle. The rest of the defensive line around him with Marlon Davidson and Nick Coe is, is good. You know, replacing two linebackers, mm -hmm. both of our linebackers, was going to be a challenge, but. Zacoby McLean and KJ Britt, who've stepped into the starting role, have uh, really done a great job of filling the, the void that, especially Deshaun Davis left in the middle. But Kevin Steele, I mean, if you watched the Tulane and Kent State game, you probably were asking questions about Auburn's defense, but because we were pretty lax defensively. But Kevin Steele's very aggressive in his play calling, very aggressive in his game planning, and he showed that against Texas A&M. Um, just, you know. I think it's a combination of, of him wanting to be aggressive and wanting to pressure the quarterback, and we've got the playmakers to get back there. Yeah, and that's one thing you talked about, that defense. They were able to get to Kellen Mond. And Kellen Mond had a great day on yeah, the field, really. Threw for over 300 day, yeah. yards. I think he had two touchdowns as well. Uh, didn't really turn the ball over. He didn't have an interception. No. Auburn does get the one turnover yeah. that kind of changed the game. But you look that later on to that game as well, you know, it's – 28 to three at half, going into the fourth quarter, and they run off yep. 17 straight points. Yep. Uh, is that more to you running kind of? We don't want to allow the big play and allowing Kellen Mond to kind of get those, yeah. you know, underneath routes working. Yeah, um, you know, we we did kind of let off the gas um, in that second half, which I would have liked to see being more aggressive. But if you if you're watching the game, you saw we were taking shots in that first half, and Bo Nix just, he's, he's so close to being complete, even as a true freshman, just the deep ball accuracy is not there yet. If we hit one of those deep passes, I think he, there was two or three that he overthrew. If hit one of those, that really changes the complexion of the game, and it turns into a blowout. But yeah, we got conservative, trying to run clock, just, um, you know, and I think that's, that plays in part because we have a true freshman at quarterback. You know, you don't really want to keep the ball in his hands. Uh, late in the game. Um, obviously we trust him, especially in the running game. So I kept some big option keepers to extend drives and, and, and run some more clock. But yeah, hopefully uh, we don't keep the uh, conservative play call in the second half as we get later in the year we're playing LSU and Florida and obviously Georgia and Alabama. Yeah, Auburn definitely has a tough schedule, having to always play Georgia, always have to play Alabama. Yeah. And it benefits them in a year like this year when they, kind of, yeah. they get them at home. Yep. Still, that's not an easy task, but last year, yeah. obviously, having to play both teams on the road kind of hurts you. Yep. Uh, Auburn's going to have a tough schedule going the rest of the way. And one thing that I saw in watching the recaps, Gus Malzahn didn't really put a lot of pressure on Bo Nix. The packages yeah. he threw out there, we even saw Joey Gatewood come into the game, yeah. throw a touchdown that's pass huge. on a goal-to-go goal situation. Yeah. Uh, but Bo Nix, you know, Gus Malzahn said in his post-game press conference that, you know, he's he's getting there, yeah. and, and he's excited about what he has in Bo Nix, and that's one of the things too. I remember watching obviously Jake Fromm his freshman year back yeah. in 2017, by the SEC championship game or by the Auburn game, he's not really a freshman anymore. He's right. played ten, nine, ten games. He has a full season under his belt. He's going to continue uh, that strength yeah. and continue to build upon that stuff. So I think when you see Bo Nix whether it's against Georgia or Alabama, we might, we're going to definitely see, and fans should see, a different Bo Nix than they saw this first three games. Right. I think um, probably not even that long we'll have to wait. Mm -hmm. Probably, you know, we've got Mississippi State this week at home, so we'll probably see some, some more big play opportunities and more chances taken being at home. But I would, I would say by the time we play Florida and LSU, even on the road, I mean, we'll see a different Bo Nix. I mean, you can just see, you know, between the ears, he's got it. 
he's got it. I mean, the, the stage is not too big for him, which is, is huge, and that's why he's a starting quarterback. And, and the numbers don't jump off the page, but the way he runs the offense, and, and he really is a leader as a true freshman. Yeah, he does. He has the pedigree that everyone talked about coming into the season, obviously with his family legacy and him right. at, yeah. at Auburn. One thing I liked about him, and we, I saw it in the Oregon game, mm-hmm. um, he doesn't really, doesn't really crack under pressure. Right. Um, he does a great job of kind of leading that team, and I think he only threw for 100 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. But he did what he needed to do. Auburn got the win, and uh, that's what you got to do in the SEC and really yeah. college ball. It doesn't matter how it looks, you get that win. And for Auburn, we're going to transition into this Georgia Notre Dame game and get Brandon on the phone as well. One thing that Auburn was able to do, they have some pretty good wins on the resume right now. Yeah. At Texas a and never an pl- easy play, especially that 3.30 time slot, yeah. uh, prime time for, the, for SEC mm-hmm. on CBS, that uh, Matthew Ling let me know that that's the official <laughs> prime time slot for CBS Sports. But another thing that I liked was they had the win over Oregon. Yeah. And you're starting to see teams, the new top 25 came out. Who really has those big wins? I would say they all lie in the SEC, LSU, Auburn, and Georgia. Yep. Have those big those big signature mm-hmm. victories. LSU obviously with a touchdown victory or however many points it was over Texas. Yeah. Um, Georgia with the win over Notre Dame. We're going to talk to Brandon Sudge, get him on the phone as well. And uh, Brandon is obviously he's been on the show before. And Brandon is the Georgia beat writer, writes for the Macon Telegraph, uh, well known around Bulldog country and in here in the state of Georgia. Uh, Brandon, how you doing today, man? Hey, what's up, man? How are you? Doing well, man. Brandon, it's good to hear from you. Listen, I have talked to so many people that were in the stadium, in the student section, and just describe to me the atmosphere with all the lights and the extra seating in Athens on Saturday night. Uh, so the atmosphere on Saturday was probably unlike anything that I, that I had ever uh, seen in a uh, stadium. Um, I was even like down on the field and everything with it. I was even an hour to go until uh, kickoff, and it was already packed out. And that's not something that that's uh, normal. And, um, and I mean, and then in each minute, as kickoff came, I mean, it just got louder and louder. And, um, all of the special effects. There were people standing out on the bridge that weren't even in the stadium, and um, I, mean, I mean, it was just amazing. And I'm, and I'm unlike anything I'd ever um, experienced. Yeah, Brandon, we were talking with uh, Matthew, who was at the game. He was at college game day as well. Um, I watching college game day. I had never quite seen the the scene like that. I, you know, getting, getting all the, the the Instagram stories, the Snapchats from people who were there. It seemed like a really awesome atmosphere. But the game itself, obviously, Georgia came in as we would say a two touchdown favorite. Uh, they were not able to get that. Uh, they weren't able to beat the spread per se, but. A win's a win, and when you can get a win over a top ten opponent, you can get it any way you can. Uh, is that something that you know you felt like they're just uh, they, they really took pride in just getting a win and kind of have a you know, much um, let's just say a much bigger respect now for that Notre Dame team? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think here's the thing. I think people um, have this total championship or bust mentality right now with. Georgia, and I mean, I feel like if if 
Georgia doesn't go out and do what everybody expects them to do, then people are like, oh my god, this team's this team is on its way downhill, and I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, I think talking to coaches and talking to uh, players on Saturday night, I mean, it was obvious that they thought that that, that was a huge win, um, and they were happy to come out, come out with it. Um, and, and I mean, here's the thing also. I mean, I think it was uh, a lot more of people seeing that Notre Dame is, is actually – good and a lot better than people think or something saying hey Georgia is a national championship contender with this win and I I mean I think that that's only because people already know what Georgia has yeah I mean I agree Georgia obviously has you know the players and the skill players as well but I want to thank you for joining the show man and uh, good luck to you I know we read your piece I read your piece last night and it was done phenomenal uh, you obviously had my buddy Josh Mixon up there it was good as well but man you take care yeah man thanks very much alright bye well I agree with exactly what he was talking about that Georgia kind of has this mentality that they have to go out and win a national championship but a lot yeah. of that comes from where they've been the previous two mm-hmm. seasons um, obviously, with the heartbreaker two years ago, right. everyone in dog country and who wears red and black of Georgia remembers January 8, 2018, like it was yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it, it really, that was a tough loss. And obviously, the SEC championship, um, do more is kind of their, their, in, their saying this year, the mm-hmm. motto for this team. Yeah. For you, and obviously, you're, you're wearing the orange, orange and blue of Auburn today, but for Georgia and what they have to do going forward, personally, they really hadn't been tested, and this was the first real yeah. test that was thrown at Georgia, and they passed. Yeah, I mean, definitely, and I would say pass, pass pretty pretty easily. I mean, you know, that's probably making a making a B plus on the test, right? Um, and really, I think what it showed was how good Notre Dame is. I mean, because even I was one of the many that thought it would just be a blowout, um, but you don't really know about what you're going to get from any team until they play somebody good and somebody on their level. And it, it showed that Notre Dame is good and it showed how good Georgia is, to, that Georgia found a way to win that game. Um, you know, just it was a back and forth physical game, more physical than I think anybody thought it was gonna be. Um, but yeah, Georgia passed the first test. Yeah, the biggest thing to me, they passed the first test, they're able to get the victory. Um, and you just get anywhere you can. You live to see yeah. another week mm-hmm. and I think I like how the, the voters did it. They kept Notre Dame in the top ten. And mm-hmm. Personally, I think that Notre Dame's a top ten team. This team was a lot more physical than I think that was expected. Yeah. They pushed the offensive line around, really. Mm-hmm. They did a good job of that. Um, Ian Book's a good quarterback. I mean, he made some mistakes. He tried, maybe tried to force things. Yeah. The key, though, I think, and Kirby Smart said it as well, the crowd. I mean, that crowd was an actual 12th man. And talking with guys like Matthew, talking with the people who went to the game, mm-hmm. Um, them having to burn two timeouts in the, early in the second half because they could not hear, yeah. I mean, that, that does wonders for you because when you get to that last drive, you only have a timeout to go. Yeah, with. I mean, you can look at it in, in SEC play. I mean, week in and week out, what, what crowd noise does. Um, I think back two years ago to the 2017 Auburn-Georgia game, the crowd noise in Jordan-Hare Stadium that day was unlike anything I've heard in a long time. Um, and it, it really did affect Georgia, who had basically – just flew by the season until that mm-hmm. game. Yeah, and I was at that game. And, and, and being at that um, Auburn-Georgia game that year, uh, Georgia came in riding high, and mm-hmm. you showed how big the crowd comes into effect. Um, also, 
those lights were pretty cool. I mean, there's videos yeah. all over all over the place. Obviously, Alabama has installed lights. Georgia, um, they already had everyone with their phones up at the beginning yeah. of the fourth quarter. That that, that is a tradition uh, that's up there with what mm -hmm. Iowa does yeah. uh, with with waving at mm -hmm. the Children's Hospital. I mean, that's one of the cool traditions in college football. But then you add in the red glow. I mean. For so many even, fans that wanted a blackout, even it was as an so Auburn cool. fan that doesn't really like red and black, it was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. He can admit <laughs> that, so that's how you know it's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean Georgia gets the win. Mm -hmm. They're still going to sit in that number three spot. They did yeah. get one vote for first place. Uh, meanwhile, they'll have this week off. Mm -hmm. um, Alabama, you know, will finally play somebody. You could say they played South Carolina <laughs> last week. Ole Miss comes to Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Ole Miss obviously had the loss to Memphis. We were talking about that earlier on and. Yeah. On in the show, but uh, yeah, college football is absolutely—it's—it's it's been a crazy year already. Yeah, and you've already seen some big-time matchups. I love watching. That's one thing I love watching these big-time non-conference matchups. Yeah, oh, yeah. as a fan of college fun. football, you want to—you—you don't want to see. And these people talked about this earlier in the week, especially after that Texas LSU game. Mm -hmm. You don't want. No one wants to go see. You don't want to sit down and watch Georgia versus less Murray State. And that's no disrespect to Murray State's mm -hmm. football program. It's just yeah. that it's exactly what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Even Arkansas State, who's not a bad Sunbelt team, mm -hmm. Georgia beat them 55 to nothing. Right. You like these Georgia-Notre Dame clashes, the Texas-LSU, the Auburn-Oregon neutral site. Yeah. Those are fun primetime matches that I think there should be at least one a week if you're not in conference play yeah. that yeah. College Game Day can go to. And mm -hmm. um, the scheduling so far has been really, for as much negativity there's been about the scheduling and, oh, they don't play this person, there's been some really awesome games. And, yeah. and the last game we're going to talk about, Washington State versus UCLA. A team in UCLA that looks – I mean, Chip Kelly does not look like he – they have a clue on offense what to Lost. do. And this is the same Chip Kelly that was at Oregon and one of the most dynamic offenses yeah. of the 2010s, you could say. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the offense that was unreal. Yeah. Um, fast offense. He goes to the NFL, comes back. You said it looks lost. I mean, I watched opening weekend versus Louisville. Louisville, who in their own right is not a very good football program at this right. moment. They lost to Florida State, who is on the verge of becoming Division II. Um, yeah, it's, that's rough. That's an interesting situation. But you have this, uh, wow, what a game. I mean, I have a friend who's a diehard Washington State fan, and I'm seeing just his progression of text to me. It's just like, I said, yeah, you know, you know how Georgia fans feel. I mean, this that was an unreal game. Yeah, I didn't watch the whole game. Um, Pack 12 after dark, dark is, yeah. is tough to watch, but it was about halftime, I think, or maybe late in the second quarter, and Washington State had the game in control. There were, what, three touchdowns, I think, at the time, and, and somehow in the second half, UCLA came back. But, yeah, Chip Kelly doesn't look like the same Chip Kelly, but this might be a catalyst to turn things around. They may need something. Who knows? They didn't have a win. No. And now they get the win in conference play. Who knows what happens now? Maybe all, that, all that that does is just add pandemonium to the Pac-12, which is already Jeez. a mess. Because you have teams in the Pac-12. Utah lost to USC, to USC. during the week. Yeah, and Utah night. was viewed potentially as a dark horse playoff candidate. Mm -hmm. But now your, dark, your playoff candidates each have one loss. Yep. And it looks like the team in the best position to win that conference is Cal. The Golden Bears. Who beat Ole Miss, on, beat the, Ole Miss. on the strangest, 
It was the strangest strange. sequence of events I've ever strange. seen. Very strange. It was a Pac-12 officiating crew. It was. It was a 12 a.m. 12 p.m. Yeah. start, which was really an 11 a.m. start over there in Oxford. So you know that yeah. nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's okay though. Yeah. We're gonna head into a little bit of break here. We're gonna talk about where we're at. Cooks Hot Dogs here, Airport Thruway. They got a location here. They have a location in the landings. Um, it's a cool diner style feel. Yeah, Mr. Roy 50 Cook. Style. 50 style. They have diner. You got hot dogs, hamburgers, barbecue, anything you want. It's a fun place. Come on by and get some food. We're here at lunchtime. We may get some food as well. Okay. They got good stuff, so come on by and join them. Will, as we transition into this next part, the NFL. Now, you see in our notes that we came up with, I'm talking about the NFL, and I had one thing to say Antonio Brown. <sighs> I don't know where, what's happening. Where do you start. What's what is? <laughs> I have never seen. And Matthew Lang, who is just a die-hard, die-hard Antonio Brown fan, was sitting in the car on the way over here, and he was reading off Antonio Brown. This morning has re-enrolled yeah. at Central Michigan for classes, yeah. and if I'm not mistaken, he's just taking like management and just it's just it's it's unbelievable. It's real. Just I mean, he goes from being superstar, you know. Talking about being the best receiver in the league to out of the league in a matter of three weeks. I mean, even with all the drama that happened in the offseason happened with the with the Raiders. But you kind of expected that. That's the Raiders. And yep. John Gruden and the Davises, that's gonna be a mess anyway. But just I don't I've never seen a fall from grace like that. Just out of the blue. Mike Greenberg on ESPN obviously used to be with the Mike and Mike show talked about right after Antonio Brown was I don't even know what you call it. Is his his antics got him out of Oakland. He talked about that being the most selfish act of players ever done. Now, whether that you believe that or not, there's obviously been a lot of other players' situations where they've probably been a little more selfish and harmed others right. in the process. Right. But if you, for the people out there who hate their job, just go to Antonio Brown's, just read what he's done in the past three weeks, and I guarantee you, you won't have a job at the end of it. Right. Because he's, like you said, he's gone from being what, and arguably, I mean, to me, Julio Jones is the best receiver in the NFL. But a lot of people would wanted to argue that Antonio Brown was. When you're a, at least a top three NFL receiver, yeah. and in a matter of weeks you go from being that to unemployed and yeah. then saying that you're not even going to play in the NFL, will we see him in the XFL is what I want to know. Because <laughs> well, that's something, if Vince McMahon oh. in the XFL does what they did years ago when they, Antonio Brown would be a perfect, we'll call yeah. him character yeah. for that. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a reality TV show. That's, that's all it's going to be. It, it, it'd be. it would be absolutely unreal what they would what they would do there. I think another one of the big things is Pittsburgh. They look like geniuses. Now, yeah. obviously, Ben Roethlisberger goes down for the year. Right. But they avoided all of this. Yeah. I mean, like, they yeah. get rid of Antonio Brown. They get a third and a fifth from uh, Oakland, who therefore gets nothing out of yeah. Antonio Brown. Uh, and then Bill Belichick. And the Patriots get them, but in my in my opinion, if when you get cut by the Patriots, you're done. I mean, yeah. like if Bill Belichick can't do something with you, then you yeah. you don't have a career in the NFL. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see. There's been rumors is he really done with the NFL? Yeah. I'm not really sure. It, it just have to see how it Who plays knows? out. He's not. He's. I highly doubt he's going to play this year. Um, but yeah, like you said, if you get cut by the Patriots, you're you're probably done. And I was and, talking. And I was talking with. Um, on a, on a show the other day with, with the host, and we were talking about as crazy, and you might laugh at what Antonio has happened to him. There's seriously something wrong with yeah. the guy. Like there's like there's seriously something, whether it's a behavior thing, whether it's a bipolar. I mean, there's seriously something yeah. wrong with him for him to be able to transform that from 
posting the video saying he's free from being released from the Raiders to going yeah. there. And it's just an interesting situation. And that's a New England team that still has Josh Gordon, who, in the words of Stephen A. Smith, can't stay off the weed, as Stephen A. Smith likes to say. But Josh Gordon, I mean, he's produced in the first couple yeah, games. And Antonio really Brown good. had a couple catches and a touchdown in this first game with the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, but his Patriots career and his Patriots time tenure, uh, short-lived. Yeah, one week. Two one week, ago. one week. We're going to take a look now, though, as you can only talk about Antonio Brown so much, and every, ESPN talks about him every day, so we're done right. talking about him. Yep. We're going to take a look at some, something now, though. We have College Game Day Signs of the Week. Now, we Will said, DM'd me on Twitter. He slid into my DMs and said, Hey, Bryce, you need to pull up some of these uh, College Game Day signs because some of them were absolutely hilarious. Matthew Lang was there. He was telling us about some before. But I got a couple here for This is one of my favorites that I saw. Uh, Logan Booker, who works in Athens Radio up in Athens, uh, Georgia, has this one. Play in a conference today. Now, obviously, great. This is great. This time. is a hundred percent savage level. I mean, this is yeah. ten out of ten. Well, that's what that's what game day signs are supposed to. Oh, be. it is. It's awesome. Now, I love this one because if you're not familiar with the situation, obviously Notre Dame and all the hit history they have at their state, Notre Dame Stadium, every player on the way out of the tunnel hits a sign, the same font, same color that says "Play like a champion today." From the entire history, they've always had this. Yeah. These two geniuses come play in a conference today. Obviously, a play on words of Notre Dame not being able to play in a conference, but halfway being a member of the ACC yep. whenever they want to. Yep. So Notre Dame has, they obviously have that sign. Another one that I like, and this one might be a little bit blurry for you, it is Manti Teo's girlfriend has entered the transfer portal. Savage level again. If you either don't remember Manti Teo, obviously the uh, catfish incident that happened yeah. to him, and yeah. then he had to go play in a national championship game that... Yeah. Wow, Alabama throttled Notre Dame that year in 2012. But yep. this is another great sign. We got one more for you. We couldn't get all of them well because some of them just looked terrible when they got on camera. <laughs> I think that actually might be the only one we have. But some of the other ones they had on there were they had the bowl of what's the difference between a bowl of Lucky Charms and Notre Dame? It's one of them is uh, one belongs in a bowl. bowl. Yeah, it's, had, uh, I mean, oh jeez. Canines versus Catholics. Yeah, that's gonna be the title of this that's show. A good one. The title of this episode: Canines versus Catholics. Obviously. <laughs> Um, criminals, you know, or what, convicts versus Catholics they had back when Miami yeah. played Notre Dame early uh, in the 90s and so, uh, or in the late 90s. Wow. That's 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 great stuff. College game yeah. was a blast. College football was a blast this past best weekend. Best time of the year. Best time of the year. And you're about to enter, as we wrap up here, the best time of the year because all sports are entering the just crunch time. Because yeah. you're about to hit conference playing college football. Baseball has one more regular, one more week of the season uh, in the regular season. The postseason starts. Uh, I guess NBA is going to happen. Yeah. Know, NBA will take place. They're going to get ready for uh, preseason games. It never feels like the NBA even ends. It doesn't yeah. ever feel like it ends. But you have that NFL has kicked off. My fantasy team is terrible. <laughs> like my fantasy team is horrible. I'm hit with injuries. Had AJ Green. He hasn't played a game yet. Um, Josh Allen yeah. started at quarterback for me this week, and he had 13 <laughs> points. So, yeah. So, if anyone from my leagues are watching pick this, pick up Jacoby Brissett. And then I traded for TJ Hawkinson, <laughs> and he had 0.1 points this week. <laughs> one catch for one yard. So that happened. But yeah, it's we're gonna. Life of fantasy football. <laughs> we'll be back Thursday morning. We're gonna have a special guest with us who's gonna talk about what it means to be that underdog and that upset in college football. Will, thanks for joining us. Matthew's thanks here as well. Me. I'm Bryce Coon. This has been the Crowded Booth, episode 35. And uh, make sure to tune in next time.